Hi guys, this is Jake Parker. Welcome back to another episode of the Beyond Fit podcast, where it's my job to help you apply knowledge that is both scientific and practical into your own life to maximize your physique development and your overall body, as well as your mind. The combination of these two things is what makes you Beyond Fit. Hey guys, this is Jake Parker back on Beyond Fit. Today is another full-length episode, but another solo episode that I am doing. The title of this episode is Picking the Right Exercises for You Plus 10 Overrated Exercises with Substitutions. So the idea for this podcast is basically from just me designing my own workouts and the workouts of my clients where I have to think about a few different variables as far as wanting to, of course, induce growth and change to the body, but also having to be cognizant of someone's experience and ability. In my client handbook, I talk a lot about form and having the correct form and having the right understanding of the intention of an exercise. I think that these things are paramount and often they're overlooked when we do a program or kind of like I talked about on Monday's episode, when we copy a program, we're not necessarily thinking about what's being worked and what's the intention and what sort of person or what level of experience for a person is required for a workout or for an exercise. And we're very quick to just, okay, this is what I'm going to do, not put too much thought into it. And so just for right off the bat, I would just purport, we should all be pulling pressing, hinging, and squatting. And so obviously those are pretty much encompassed in most of the main lifts we know of. If you're on any sort of like an upper lower or a push pull legs, you're going to have that pushing, which is your bench press, your incline press, your military press, or uh, standing barbell press. You're going to have pulling, which is obviously going to be rows, pull-ups, most back movements. Hinging is doing your deadlifts or deadlift type movements. So like the RDL is another type of deadlift. A rack pull is another type of deadlift, but also what could be included here uh, would be like a kettlebell swing or a lunge and then squatting as well, which can take on a lot of different forms. Obviously the typical back squat, but you have front squat and goblet squat, excuse me, squat, which are both usually easier variations of the squat. And then in addition, you have the split squat, which can be used for different purposes as well. And so the first thing I want to go over is I take a lot of caution to try to understand where my clients are at as far as their experience and as far as their comfortability level. Because like I'm going to kind of mention with some of these exercises, something can be very beneficial. Like for example, the deadlift I think that it's very beneficial because it can cause a lot of muscle damage and growth. But at the same time, it's one of those things that you have to practice and it's hard to get right. That's again, why I put so much emphasis on using the correct form and not only that, but understanding what the intention is. So with the deadlift, you're intending to stress the hamstrings, the glutes, the entire posterior chain, which is most of the muscles in the back. And I mean, really the deadlift is one of those lifts that there's not a whole lot of muscles in the body that aren't 
being worked when you're doing something that's as intensive as the deadlift. And again, that's why I love it because it's going to cause such a systemic muscle growth stimulus. But if you're not doing it right, if you're rounding your back, if you're not putting focused and attention on the right muscles and the right leverage points, which I can go further into, but that is eventually going to lead to some uncomfortability and even potential injury. So just be careful there with more advanced movements. I mentioned there muscle growth being systemic. So when I talk about pulling, pressing, hinging, squatting, and I mentioned things like, yeah, you might do an upper lower, you might do a push pull legs, you might do more of a bro split, body part split. Um, I really don't think that the split matters near as much as I used to think. Like, for example, I talk a lot about my experience just bodybuilding as a teenager and putting so much emphasis on these different splits where I do this on this day, I do this on this day, it's it's back and by day, it's chest and try day, I have to do these specific body parts on this specific day. And I really don't subscribe to that notion at all anymore. If you want to work body parts on back to back days, because that's how it works with your schedule, or the type of split that you're doing, there's really not that much harm in doing that unless you're really, really overly sore, where you might uh, run into possible injury because you're putting stress on the wrong muscles because you really just can't work the proper muscles. So say like you're doing, um, for some reason doing like rows two days in a row, but your back is so sore that it's really causing you to round and put a lot of stress on just the wrong parts. Then yeah, of course, maybe don't do something like that, but I don't think that being a little sore is necessarily indicative of having to focus on a totally different muscle group. I think we give our bodies not enough credit for how resilient they are and truly being able to put a lot of work and stress and volume on whatever it is we're trying to improve. And our body's going to become more resilient to that and adapt usually in the way we want it to over time. Um, but when I say muscle growth, growth is systemic. What I really mean is that don't get so focused on, I have to do this for my chest to grow my chest, like a chest flyer. You know, I of course always talk about the importance of compound weightlifting over isolation weightlifting, but really understanding that the stronger and bigger your body gets, the, the more that's going to be reflected in its entirety. And I think that the best example of this, that's just very salient is if you were to go to your local gym and check out the guys or girls who their you their bodies you really admire they have really great physiques and they look very strong and powerful there's no way that most of them you could tell what sort of workout split they're on you know they might have a really nice chest but that might be mostly due to genetics they might have really nice biceps but maybe they hardly ever do biceps maybe that's just because they have a job that they're, they're able to, I don't know, move things a lot and use their biceps or whatever it might be. My point is that it's really not so much about the split. It's about going and putting the work in day after day to change and challenge your body and muscle growth is going to come. I mean, of course it's important how you set up your workout and I'll go into that. And it's important to focus on the right lifts and the right, the right split to an extent, but I just think that as long as, like I said, you're trying to focus on pulling, pressing, hinging, and squatting, however you decide to set that up is really not of the utmost importance. Another really interesting anecdote here is that 
I have heard before, I'm not going to be able to cite the specific study because I think I just heard this kind of listening to one podcast or the other, but that there has been studies where if someone were to only lift one arm, say like we're working on the biceps of your left arm and then not do any work on the right arm, your right arm is actually going to grow a little bit because that is how systemic the growth of the body is. Now it's not going to be of course near as much, but it's more than zero. Uh, the growth that happens in one part of the body, the opposite side of the body is going to grow a little bit just because of that stimulus and that growth uh, that's there. I think I can also remember being younger and hearing guys, again, this bro sciencey type world that I was entrenched in, the guys would be like, oh, you know, you have to squat because that's going to make your upper body bigger because it releases hormones or blah, blah, blah. Maybe their explanation was a little bit broy, But again, I think that they were just pointing to that um, undefined knowledge, but still relevant knowledge that the muscle growth is systemic. And so when you're squatting and forcing the body to adapt to that higher and higher squat weight, that is going to make your, your upper body grow a little bit because you're putting stress on that upper body when you're doing something difficult, like a squat, and you're just requiring your body to get bigger and stronger. And when you force your body to get stronger, you're going to grow, you're going to add muscle as long as you're doing the right things nutritionally as well. So as far as specifics here for picking the right exercises, I have talked about before that you should probably try to do 10 to 15 hard sets per muscle group. That's generally where in the evidence-based space, the most generally accepted as effective ranges, but I pay less attention to that 10 to 15 hard sets per muscle group now. And I pay a lot more attention to, okay, what do I want to focus more on because it's a weak point of mine. So for example, my back has not developed quickly as quickly as my chest. And so I'm going to be a lot more likely to do 15 or maybe more sets on my back. And not to mention that the back has more muscles that can be worked. And that's something I'll kind of go further into here in this podcast, but I have a generally fast growing and muscular chest, and I don't have to do a lot of direct chest movement, pay a lot of direct attention to that for it to stay big and to stay strong. So a lot of weeks, the only direct chest exercise I'll do is just my three sets of bench press, because like I said, it's just so easy for me to get and maintain a big chest where as someone else, if that's their weak point, maybe they have to up that more towards the 15 range. I often like to say that you should kind of think about that 10 to 15 hard sets per muscle group more as an average across your muscle groups. So if you were to split it up and it kind of depends, it's not so important how you track smaller muscles like calves and forearms and biceps and triceps. And I don't even encourage everyone to do work on their forearms and calves and those really small muscle groups right away. But thinking about, okay, if I want to do 10 to 15 sets per muscle group, multiply that by the five or six muscle groups that I have a specific focus on, uh, back, shoulders, chest, legs. Um, sometimes you can split it up where it's like quads, hamstrings. Again, that kind of comes down to, do you have weak legs? Maybe you want to do that. Do you have naturally strong legs? Then you probably don't have to. Um, but thinking of that more as an average across the body parts, then every single muscle group has to have the specific emphasis of 10 to 15 heart sets. 
Um, but yeah, really think about where do I want to improve? Do you really want big arms? Are you being honest with yourself and just saying, yeah, I really just want big arms. Okay. Well, maybe you do 20 sets for your biceps and 20 sets for your triceps. That's not going to be super taxing on your body overall. So you might have room for that extra volume there. And, or maybe you've always had a hard time growing your shoulders. So you want to put more emphasis there. Um, again, like I said, maybe it's your legs. So you do 12 ish sets on the quads and on the hamstrings, because you really want to focus more intently on the legs, whatever it is, try to, as you become more advanced to put more emphasis on what your weak points are and how to train those more specifically. And this is something, again, I work with clients on a lot. Um, it should be said that I am always looking to possibly accept new clients. If I feel like it would be a good idea for us to work together. So, um, I'll, put a couple links in here, but make sure you reach out if you're curious about the possibility of us working together to design a unique workout program for you. But on top of that focus on how you split up your volume, you want to think about what's the intention of an exercise. So when you talk about physique and body composition, which is the goal for me and the goal of mostly what I want to talk about and communicate on this podcast, more so than the pure raw strength or pure raw athleticism or anything like that. For me, it's mostly about the looks because I'm uh, more of a lifestyle bodybuilder myself. And I think that the average person cares more about the looks. And so that's a lot of what I focus on. But when you, when you say, what's the intention of an exercise, you just want to get a good contraction and a good stimulus on a specific muscle. So if the one exercise that everyone else does and says is a great exercise is just something that you don't feel, well then, then feel free to scrap it. So, so if you, if it's really uncomfortable for you to do a lat pull down and you just, you can't quite feel it, you can't quite do it right, it doesn't seem to be a good exercise for you, then feel free to, free to scrap it and just think about another exercise that might work to strengthen your back. There's so many good back exercises. That's why, again, I love talking about and working out the back so much, but you know maybe it's the bench press, supposedly one of the staple exercises. Well, there's no reason why if the bench press doesn't give you a good contraction, a good stimulus, uh, a good pump to some extent, the pump isn't the end all be all, but it's definitely evidence that you're working the appropriate muscle and that you're getting, you know, in there, so to speak. So if the bench press just feels like shit to you, then feel free to do presses on some sort of machine, or maybe it's a dumbbell bench press, or maybe the incline just feels a lot better. That's another good option. So just thinking, what, how can I make my plan tailored to me and individual to what, again, gives me a good stimulus on the muscles that I'm trying to work? Of course, it's not 100% about this. And this is, again, where the balance comes in and the importance of working with someone else, like a coach who can be objective if you're not very advanced in your training level already, because this is high arching stuff, but it's also important to be able to reach your goals and to have the the right focus is in the gym. Am I focused on the appropriate weak points? Am I appropriately feeling the different muscle groups? My favorite example of an exercise can look okay, but you might not be feeling it correctly. And I talk about this a lot, but it's the lateral raise. So when I used to do lateral raises, it would be very much, you know, just trying to move the weight, which would oftentimes lead to a lot of doing the work in my traps and upper back and avoiding the actual deltoids themselves. 
but it wasn't until I lowered the weight and really focused a lot more on contracting my delts when I'm doing these lateral raises that my shoulders started to grow in the way that I wanted them to. So, so much of this is the intention and the focus. And it's not always like that. When I say it's not always like that stuff, like the deadlift and the squat and those really, really important, heavy compounds. Oftentimes you're thinking more just about moving the weight. And of course you want to do it appropriately and with good form, but it's hard to focus on, okay, I'm really going to isolate my hamstrings or my quads on this squat. No, you're really just thinking about, you know, the weight's heavy. You want to move it appropriately. And it's harder to think about that isolation and that specific um, focus on muscle groups. Whereas say it is your quads, that's a lot easier to do on something like a leg extension, for example. So it's having that mix and knowing again, and this comes with time, this comes with experience or, or working with someone to help you see things objectively, but it can truly make all the difference in your training and in the way that your body grows and the way that your body looks and feels. So a couple last things here before I jump into the 10 exercises that I mentioned here at the beginning. Um, when it comes to squatting and deadlifting, your body type makes a lot of difference here. So for example, someone like me with really long appendages, so really long arms and legs and a pretty short torso is going to squat and deadlift a lot differently than someone who is like a typical short and stocky person who's usually more muscular, has a smaller and more defined center of gravity. Um, for example, when you look at someone like me, again, with long legs and long arms deadlifting, I don't have to bend over that much because it's not going to require me bending over that much to grab the bar. Whereas someone ha that has short arms and legs, because they're that shorter, stockier build, their back is going to be closer to parallel to the ground. They're going to be a lot more bent over. And so this is, again, like, like I talked about, I had this podcast on Monday about not copying other people's exercises and you don't necessarily want to copy, um, exactly someone's form that you see on Instagram or YouTube or whatever, or in a picture, because you have to think about how this is going to look specific to your body type. We're all just a little bit different in that way. And this is why with clients, I'll often do form checks because I know how important it is to try to dial this stuff in with the squat. For someone like me, again, I have a lot different looking squat than most people because of the way I'm built with long, really long legs and a pretty short torso. So I'm going to be more bent over. Um, of course, paying attention to keeping my back um, somewhat flexed and my shoulder blades back and down. I don't want to be bending over and rounding at the chest and fold it over, but I am going to be quite rounded over just to appropriately hit the depth I want to hit on my squats. And what also feels good for me is to get my feet a little bit wider when I do this too. Whereas someone, again, describing that shorter, stockier person, and most of us are going to fall somewhere in the middle, but these are just the two extremes. Uh, a short, stocky person is pretty much built for squats where they can just sit directly down. Their upper body is going to look about the same at the top and the bottom of the squat because it's really with those levers like that, a short person, a stocky person is built for the squat, whereas a lankier person is going to have to make more adjustments. As far as when you should switch exercises, I generally switch my own exercises and switch clients exercises every two to four months. And when I do this, I will focus on three to five lifts to focus on getting stronger on for this period of time. And then the rest of the lifts will be supporting either auxiliary for those lifts. So if I really want to focus on getting my deadlift stronger, I'll probably do some supporting exercises where I'm working on the hamstrings. I'm working on the lats. 
muscles that are involved in the deadlift, um, or I am just doing auxiliary exercises that focus on my weak points. So again, maybe you want to get your arms bigger. Maybe you want to get your deltoids bigger, but focusing on three to five lifts to really markedly improve is going to make sure that you're focused on again, that focus on getting stronger because when you get stronger, your body can't help, but add muscle. So if you want to gain muscle, focus on a few lifts to get stronger on and either support those or put the rest of your focus on working on weak points. And I mean, you could track every exercise technically, but generally I do not like to do this because it's just so much effort and it's so much to think about. Whereas if there's three to five that you're focused on uh, growing your, you know, quantitatively, then you know for sure that these are growing and the other ones are probably growing in turn, as long as you're trying to take them to about a one or two RIR or reps in reserve. So feeling like you maybe could do one or more, one or two reps more with good form, but that's about it. That's what I would encourage my clients to think about um, as far as if they were to say, well, how hard do I have to work out? So without further ado, these 10 overrated exercises and their substitutions. So the first one, and I kind of battled putting this in there because this is an exercise that I already talked about today, I think is pretty important and can really, really help with systemic muscle group, but it's the deadlift. And that's just because it really takes an advanced person and a knowledgeable person and someone who's studied and watched the appropriate videos and thought about it enough to, to do this correctly. And has of course taken ego out of it, which is something I also talk about a lot. But if you are just going in and doing the deadlift because so-and-so said you should, or just because, I don't know, because it looks cool to do a lot of weight, make sure you know what you're doing because this is one where you possibly could get hurt. And I would encourage you to start to ingrain the pattern if you are just a very bare bones beginner is to practice doing hyper extensions or back extensions where you're focusing on at the top, you're contracting that, that posterior chain, those back muscles and your glutes and hamstrings just to start to get that down. And then from there, so that would be like probably the main substitution, but from there, there's nothing wrong with doing a Romanian deadlift or a rack pull just to have part of the range of the deadlift, but you're not fully having to deadlift off the ground if that's not something you want to do. Even I myself will not always have deadlifts programmed into my program, but usually I'll have some sort of a hinge movement. So I will be doing an RDL or I'll be doing a rack pull, which is, I mean, the thing about the deadlift is it's, again, it is so damaging to the muscles, which is good for growth, but you want to make sure you're focused on not overdoing it and doing so much volume that you're being under recovered or that you're having a hard time with say, after you do your deadlift day is your leg day and your legs are sore because you're deadlifting so heavy and so hard. So these are all things you have to think about. Um, and then another thing I actually did want to mention, like a little personal anecdote is I'm not currently hinging because my lower back and hips have been pretty sore. And I talked with my yoga teacher about this and I'm working on just changing a couple things in my posture because I think with number one, the way that I've always been a little bit rounded at the top, just because of the way I walk and the way that I kind of carry myself, that's something I, I need to work on. And I think that's part of where the pain comes from. And on top of that, just not getting as much movement and walking in as it's been cold here in Omaha um, has, I think, just not allowed my body to in general, be, you know, have that daily movement that helps me to stay 
in homeostasis and, and stay feeling good. But I've especially noticed that this, this issue gets inflamed on hinges on deadlifts. So I'm currently cutting those out. So again, a period where you can be intelligent about your training and knowing where to make adjustments based on, okay, I know it's important to hinge, but I know it's also important to try to work out this problem before it becomes a bigger problem. The second lift here is the leg press. The leg press is an okay lift. And all these three first three lifts that I'm calling overrated are lifts that I do do sometimes. And I will program program in for, for clients sometimes, but I think the leg press is overrated because people often will look at it as a replacement for a squat where a back squat, a front squat, or a goblet squat would all be better options to grow your legs. The leg press is hard, I think, for a lot of people to get an appropriate stimulus. And it also kind of feels, I guess, for lack of a better term, just pinchy um, as you try to go through that full range of motion. I would encourage someone as a substitution here to lunge instead, because I think lunges are a great complement to squats and they're a much more compound leg movement. So that's going to lead to a lot more direct leg growth and also just functionality of the legs overall. The lunge is a good functional, more athletic movement in addition to helping you gain muscle. Uh, I just don't think that there's a ton of benefit to including the leg press, especially for someone who's strapped for time or trying to get the most effective leg exercises in or just exercises in general. The third one here is the wrist curl for those of us trying to grow forearms. I think that to grow forearms, a lot more effective strategy is just to try to do heavy, heavy carries. So here I'd recommend a substitution of heavy farmers carries, farmers walks, which is going to, again, help strengthen the back and just the shoulders also, but because you're gripping these heavy weights, it's going to help to strengthen your forearms a lot. And so I like to do a lot of gripping and holding type movements for the forearm before I would ever focus on like a direct curl, because that's another sort of weird movement that's hard to get right. The fourth exercise I have listed here is the glute kickback. Usually uh, a lift that's focused more on by girls that want to grow their butt and but for guys too and also for guys that maybe want to use something like this to improve their glutes to improve their hinges their deadlifts where i would point someone for a substitution here would be the hip thrust because it's a lot more heavy and compound and you can put a lot more weight on there and a lot more stimulus uh, the glute kickback is just again such a kind of goofy and hard exercise to get right so doing something like a hip thrust either a hip thrust on a machine or just with a barbell is going to allow for a lot more progressive overload and a lot more effective stimulus. Uh, the decline press is the next one I have listed down here. The fifth exercise here. I think that this one is another one that feels weird. And a lot of this possibly could just be me. Um, but I think a lot of this comes from talking with other people and talking with clients too, where the decline can really get pinchy in the shoulders and not to mention, I think the bench press and the incline bench press are a lot better alternatives because there's not really a lot of need to work the bottom of the chest. It's a lot more effective to try to focus on the top of the chest because the bottom of the chest is going to get hit by the bench press. A little bit more of the top of the chest is going to get hit by the incline, incline press. And the decline to me just kind of seems like it's going to do something really similar to the bench press, but not be quite as safe, not feel quite as good and just something I don't see as very necessary. There's a reason in your gym, you're gonna see a lot more 
benches and inclines than declines. The sixth one and the next two are both ab exercises, crunches. So I think where a lot of people get confused is thinking that they just have to do a lot of direct core and ab isolation to get good, you know, ab muscles in a six pack. And first of all, something I'll beat over and over again is that getting a six pack is a lot more about your nutrition and what you're eating and what you're doing with your calories and how you're manipulating your body fat than it is any specific exercises. But I think things like crunches that, you know, most people aren't going to be properly feeling in the first place, but also most people just feel like they could do lots and lots of would be better replaced by something like I give myself constantly as well as clients, the rope crunch where you put up a rope, like you're going to do a tricep rope push down basically. And you just grab that and you crunch um, from bringing that down, really feeling that contraction in your core. You're going to feel this a lot better and you're going to be able to go a lot heavier on it and properly overload it than you would a crunch. And then the next one is, I wasn't sure exactly what to call this, but like the butterfly or flutter kick, I would include the leg lift in here as well because a really similar motion and a really similar exercise. But I know that the intention here is to work the lower abs, but I think where you'd be a lot better off is doing either a hanging leg raise, if you can, if you have the strength or just a captain's chair leg raise, because that's going to be a lot more effective stimulus. Again, it's just something you can feel on the last two. Um, if you're want to go and try these substitutions, you're going to be like, Oh, wow. I really feel that a lot more in my abs. Um, then I did previously because it's, it's hard to, from laying on the ground, doing ab movements to feel them correctly. And another recommendation here to feel your abs. Um, I've told people before to just, you want to kind of clinch them. Like you're going to get punched in the gut. That's how I, I feel and activate my abs, um, properly. So the next one here, this is eight out of 10 is the upright row. I think the upright row is another one that's very weird and pinchy for a lot of people. It just doesn't really feel correct to do that motion. And the next three actually all have something in common where they're sort of front delt or anterior chain heavy movements. And so the anterior chain just being the front muscles, your pecs, uh, shoulders, stuff like that. And I always encourage people to do a lot more pulling than they do pushing and a lot more work on their back muscles. Because again, like I said, there's so many more muscles back there, but not only that, but working more on strengthening your back is going to be a lot better for your posture overall. And we already have so much forward tilt, kind of like I mentioned with my own posture, I even see this, even as someone who focuses on it, if you're working at a computer, sitting at a desk, if you're driving, you know, anytime you sit down and are on your phone, we always are doing so much forward arching that it's important to strengthen your back muscles to just help with your overall posture and just help you stand up straight and not have that forward tilt that we all kind of tend towards. So with the upright row, I would encourage you to just replace that with another back movement because I think pretty much anyone, it would be helpful to add more back exercises. So here I put the cable row, one of my favorite back exercises to uh, really strengthen that interior chain. Again, the ninth exercise I have here is the front raise or the front delt raise, someone might call it. This I think would be best replaced by something that for some reason people don't do, even though they often tend to do the front raise, which is the rear delt raise. And you can either do this with dumbbells or if you can set it up correctly, you can do with a couple cables. 
but basically you really want to focus on flexing those rear delts and making sure that this is not something that gets taken into the back because the back can easily take over on something that people would refer to as a reverse fly but I would rather call it a rear delt raise or a rear delt fly to remember that the focus here is on really trying to contract and work the rear delts. And something I've noticed in myself from doing this is it really looks good to complement your, your back to have a really nice, strong set of rear delts. And that's something that unless you're focused on, um, most people aren't going to have. And another reason why I don't focus on the front delts at all or as much of any of the post chain, sorry, the anterior chain, the front muscles is because whenever you're pressing, whether it be shoulder pressing, like I said, with, with me, that generally takes on standing shoulder press or the military press, which is just basically the seated shoulder press. Um, anytime you're doing that, you are working the front delts. So the front delts get a ton of work, but the rear delts don't get a lot of direct work. And so that's why I encourage pretty much everyone to have at least one rear delt specific exercise. And if you're wondering, okay, well, how does that counting again of the 10 to 15 hard sets, if I want that to be in my shoulders, am I going to have that just for my rear delts and then for my medial delt too and stuff like that? No, just focus on the shoulders basically overall. So if you have some lateral raises as well as rear delt raises, as well as one shoulder movement where you're just pressing with your shoulders, so say the standing shoulder press, if those are all three sets and you do those throughout the week, that's three and three and three, that's nine sets for your shoulders. And then if you want to do some more direct delt work, then adding to that. And then if you feel like you want to do something where it's like traps, you know, shrugs, something like that, that can either be added to your back or to your shoulders, depending on kind of how you want to split that up. So some things again, like traps are kind of can be in the middle and it doesn't necessarily matter where you put it. Cause again, like I said, this is why I don't get so caught up on the numbers specifically anymore or on the splits, just figure out how, how it feels good to you and how it makes sense to you and just how best to individualize it. I guess it's, it's becoming kind of hard to, to articulate. Um, but be sure to reach out to me if you have any more specific questions like that, that come up based on anything that I've said. And then the last one is the Svend pressed which is basically where you're holding dumbbells or sorry, you're usually holding like a couple of um, just like five, 10 pound weights, whatever, just traditional weights. And maybe it might be a dumbbell, but basically just pressing that out in front of you while standing up. And this is just a really weird one. I've never liked this one at all because it can put a lot of weird tweak in the lower back. And also it's just a one of, another one of those that's unnecessary because it's basically a lot of some chest, but also a lot of front delts, which again, I said for the reasons I stated, just doesn't need to be overly emphasized or really emphasized at all as far as direct isolation. And what I would recommend for a substitute here is a face pull that's again, going to work a lot of rear delt as well as some of the rhomboids and a little bit of traps, another really good back strengthening exercise that most people aren't doing. The face pull um, is a really an exercise that I like a lot. So I'll end this here by just saying, I'm thinking about the fact that I'm going skiing here soon. And I think most people are familiar with skiing where you have green slopes, you have blue slopes, you have black slopes, and then you have, I think usually the step up from black slopes is like the double black diamond, or maybe have like a single black diamond, double black diamond, whatever. Obviously with a lot of things, 
we think very intently about the difficulty level. Well, weightlifting should be no different. Unless you have a coach, someone who's guiding you, then you should really pay a lot of attention to, do I know what I'm doing here? Do I know what the intention is? Am I trying to go on the double black diamond still just being a beginner? Because just because an exercise, again, like the deadlift is very effective and very functional, it doesn't necessarily mean you can just go ahead and do it right away until you've practiced and really looked at a lot of technique and form videos or ask someone about it or have gotten informed from reading or whatever it is. You really have to focus on what's my experience level and how do I have to change this exercise in any way? Do I have to change this exercise in any way or my specific body type? So I hope that I've given you guys some things to think about and some actionable takeaways. Please let me know if I can help you with anything more specifically by reaching out by email or Instagram DM and both of those links are included. Thanks guys. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. If you would, please take a minute out of your day to review and rate the podcast as well as subscribe. It would really help me out a lot. And if you're on Instagram, go ahead and follow me on there at jakeparker.fit and screenshot and tag me when you're listening to the show. I'll be sure to share it. And thank you personally on there.